Some days are terrible. You wish that you were dead, and some days are magical, like grape banana bread. Someday we'll be friends with the voices in our heads. The voices in our heads. Hello, what's up? Congratulations on not killing yourself. Welcome to the voices in our buttholes. I'm your voice. I'm the voice in your head. Thank you for being here. My name's Christina Hutchinson. How are you? I'm an anxious ball of fuck, you know? (laughs) Let's get into that later. I'm just, oh, I make things so difficult for myself. I'm like, ooh, I just gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta write a character description. All right, let me pretend I need to clean my whole house first and then find the last of the dried cherries in Murray Hill because I bought them out from my deli and I bought them out from CVS. So now I got to go to Dwayne Reed four blocks away, which is like eight hours. And I got to do all that before I write this character description because then I'll be able to write it well. This is what I do to myself. I fucking make shit so much harder <laughs> than it needs to be. And I'm really on this Louise Hay positive affirmation shit. And I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, I'm getting all my things done in a timely fashion with no stress. And they're really all all the things are good. And I keep saying that in the mirror and I don't believe it. And I'm like, just say it till you believe it. (laughs) And then I start crying and I'm like, well, this is not where I wanted to end up. God damn. How does anyone get anything done? I mean, there's so many things you got to do all the time as an adult. You got to pay your bills. You got to, and if you're in an art career and if you're like freelance and you're your own boss, if you have a boss, honestly, I understand that there's a little bit of lack of freedom in there, but it's kind of nice to have someone tell you what to do. I wish I had someone tell me what to do, but, but I'm like, no, I earn, I, I, I'm in this wonderful space of a career where I get to tell myself what to do. And then I'm looking to myself going, what do we do, Christina? And I'm like, uh, come back later. Over. I'm like, okay, it's been an hour. How about now? Uh, maybe you should go buy praying mantis larvae online uh, before you start that character description. Okay. I mean, all right, I did that. Did you buy the dried cherries? Yeah, I, I went to Drain Reed and I and I, I walked all the way there and I bought them. I bought two bags. Not three, because if I bought three, I would have eaten three. That's smart. I mean, what the fuck? What is, what's happening? Is something in the water? I mean, something's in the water. And it ain't H2O. It's chemicals. Shout out to Flint, Michigan. I'm so sorry you don't have fucking water. I don't think you guys have good water yet. Wait, let me look it up. <laughs> it's so obnoxious. Does Flint, Michigan have good water yet? Google's like, nope, we don't like them. The it, It's water. It's water is as good as any cities in Michigan. Oh, fucking. Is it though? Does Flint have clean water? Yes, but it's complicated. Well, then that's not a yes. All I'm trying to say is everyone deserves clean drinking water. Oh my god, you guys! It's just it's just a day in my the voices in my head are so mean lately. Not mean in a way that makes me laugh. You know, it's like a stereotypical bully. Like you can't do anything right, huh? Well, no, okay, but I'm trying. Oh my God. See me on tour, guys. I'm a lot better uh, on stage because I'm in my element and I feel like the bell of the ball and you're all here to see me. I'm really excited for these upcoming tour dates. Um, with Corinne Fisher, I'm going to be in St. Louis, April 1st through 3rd. Nashville, April 13th. We're doing a live podcast of, we're doing a live guys we fucked and a stand up show in Nashville. Also, 
speaking of water, are you guys okay? Oh my god. Use this flood in Nashville. I'm so sorry. I'm just, there's so many people going through really hard times and it's a lot to bear. Portland, Oregon, April 22nd through 25th. That's six, that's six shows. Philadelphia, I'm there solo with Von DiCarlo's featuring for me at Helium, April 29th through May 1st. And Corinne and I are back on the road, Kansas City, Missouri, May 14th and 15th at the Improv. No. Yes, we are. No. Y-E-S, motherfucker. Ooh, yeah, there we go. I, I got to label these buttons. They're not really good sound effects, huh? <laughs> oh, man. Yo. So I, on Instagram, I have a social media gal that I talked to a while back, and she was like, post pictures of your bat- butt. And I'm like, well, okay, I will. I like my butt. It's I have a great bot. I got to, I got to, I'm just going to be honest about it. I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend. It's not cool to pretend you don't have a hot body when you do, Okay. Guys, gals, if you have a hot body, know it. You know it. So shut the fuck up and accept the compliments. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, this gal was like, you should post more like um, thirst traps is what what, what she said. <sighs> thirst traps, a.k.a. being in Flint, Michigan with no water. You're thirsty, but it's a trap because the water, it's clean, but it's complicated. So it's not really clean. Thirst trap. That's not what a thirst trap is. So I was I wanted to promote these tour dates that I just told you about and I so I was like, okay, I'll post a picture of my ass. I got a couple good ones and it looks pretty good. Am I gonna go in one of the photo apps and smooth that out a little? Yeah, I am. Okay. Just a little. I'm not making it I'm not changing the size of it. But you know when you have you know when you get cold, when your legs get cold and it's like it, it's your, your blood vessels are dilating and your it, and you know I usually happens in my legs and it looks like a red spider web on me only when I'm like really cold and so when I took that butt pick it was the red spider webs underneath my skin and I was like I feel like if I airbrush those out that's not cheating <laughs> I was cold I was in my underwear what do you want from me anyway I posted a flyer for these tour dates half the photo half the post was the dates and the cities, and then the other half was a picture of my ass. And wouldn't you know it, I got a, I went down from 111,000 Instagram followers to 110,000. Posting a butt pic, man. People really freak out. And look, I do not have one of those apps that lets you know who unfollows you. I ain't got time for that shit. I'm not a cutter. I tried, I already told you this, I tried cutting once when I was 11 because I wanted to die and I used my mom's razor and I was like, ow, this hurts, I don't want to do this. (laughs) So I just bitched about it. Um, Yeah, I posted the butt pic, people unfollowed me and I was like, all right, I mean, Corinne always told me because she posts ass pics and she's like, I lost so, I lose so many followers and I think that's kind of funny. I'm like, who are these followers? I don't want to know. Like I said, I'm not downloading that app that tells you who unfollows you? What? The, am I a fucking masochist? No. I mean, I am in a fun way. That's not fun. Now I got to go ponder why a comic that I met twice unfollowed me because of my butt pic. I don't give a fuck. You do what you do. They get a lot of likes, but you lose followers. <laughs> I'm just imagine people scrolling and they see a photo of my ass and like, well, I never expected that from the lady who hosts a podcast about fucking guys. Meanwhile, fucking, uh, no, not that one. Uh, what is it? Caller Daddy is like the, 
the other version of guys we fucked. Except they're way hotter. There's now there's only one host, but the two those chicks are. <laughs> Corinne and I have have had a lot of like TV pitch meetings in our day, and we're like we want to just pitch our podcast as guys we fucked. It's like uh, call her daddy, but they're uglier. <laughs> and it's in a funny way. I don't think we're ugly, but like these chicks are hot. Okay, and they be showing pictures of their titties and their ass and their abs, and they have like half a million followers. So I'm like, what? What do you want from me, God? Jesus Christ! But it's wild. I and the other thing that I think is funny is people's reaction to to a butt. Anyone showing their butt? I mean, maybe it's not. I gotta say, I do have a nice ass, but like, it's a butt. It's a butt. It's a butthole. It's the common. It's the one common denominator that we have with every other creature on the planet. Well, technically, not every creature, but every human being has one thing in common, and that's a butthole. Now, I know the people with colostomy bags are like, Christina, excuse me, but you still have a butthole, okay? I'm not saying everyone poops out of it because some people poop into a baggie because they got fucked up shit with their stomach, probably because their parents beat each other up in front of them when they were kids and no one ever talked about it. Because the stomach is the second brain, as my therapist says. But it's, I go poopy out of it. I go poopy out of my butt. That's where the farts come out. You're going to unfollow me? Because I posted a photo of my fart factory? <laughs> That's your loss. It's <laughs> the best one. That's your loss. If you want to follow me, unfollow me, because my fart factory uh, was bare bones out on my gram. I don't care. Okay, this is, all right. This is why I'm having a hard time. And this is me coming face to face with my, not my demons, but my issues. I'm pretty sure. I think this is what's happening. Because, you know, your girl, very self-evolved and very curious about herself, as we all should be, right? So I'm trying to fucking, I'm doing a Patreon. (laughs) And and I'm resisting so hard. I'm resisting. And I go, I look in the mirror and I go, Christina, why are you resisting? I'm like, I don't fucking know, okay? But I really, you know what I really think? It's because I don't think, I think my self-worth, there's still parts of my self-worth that's shit. Parts of my self-worth are very shitty. Very, that was a wet one, shitty. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I think I'm I think I'm think great, but I'm also like, please love me. Like, I'll do anything. <laughs> so this Patreon shit, I've been trying to figure it out forever. At first, I didn't like the company because I was like, it just reminded me of every podcaster on the goddamn planet being like, follow me on my Patreon. But really, there's nothing wrong with that. Yes, Follow them. Support artists. What it comes down to and what I'm mad at is myself. Because it's always like that, isn't it? You're always mad at yourself, even if you're projecting it onto others or other companies or apps. It's really you you're mad at. Okay? There's some hard truths. I know. I know. You can accept it. It's okay. But I think that I've been putting this off and putting this off and putting this off until the very last minute because I have this idea that if I'm not stressed out and on, on the verge of sitting on the knife, I can't get anything done, which is just plain not true. And I keep looking in the mirror going, Christina, goddammit, you deserve good things. And I say it to myself while I'm holding my rocks. I'm holding my stones right now. Look, or here, listen. These are the stones hitting each other because I'm holding them. And I'm going, please, God, help me fucking figure out my Patreon. But really, help me climb the mountain that is my own self-worth. 
and to realize I am a glorious sight to behold or whatever the fuck God says or whatever. But I'm resisting this so much and it's coming out on Friday. (laughs) (laughs) I am procrastinating on this so much, but I've been working on it for months and man, 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 man. I'm looking at what my colleagues are doing, my fellow comedians. I'm looking at my fellow comedians who are successful on Patreon and for some reason, these motherfuckers are making like a hundred K a month on Patreon. And as some of like come town is a really popular podcast. Their Patreon is fucking holy shit. They're making so much money. And it, I, when people tell me that, like people have been telling me how much other people have been making on Patreon for the past, I would say year. And it makes me mad. And I think it makes me mad because I don't want to face the fact that I don't think I'm worth anything like deep, 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 deep down. Do you know what I'm saying? So I, 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 I wake up every goddamn morning and say, Christina, you're worth a billion trillion. All you're worth. You're not. You're priceless, bitch. Bitch, you're priceless. But I'm doing this thing where I'm 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 creating this complicated obstacle course in order for me to get the goddamn Patreon up and running. I'm hugging the puppy too tight. And the puppy's about to suffocate. Not you, Kevin. You're perfect. Never fucking change. But a lot of my fellow comedians are have very successful Patreons. And, and they're raking in the goddamn dough. And I want to buy a building and turn it into an immersive theater experience. And I know it'd be better to suck a billionaire's dick or whatever. Or just, you know, ask for funding, I guess, is how people do it. Not You don't have to always just suck a dick. <laughs> Women are like, ah, I'll just suck your dick. Give me money. <laughs> At least me. Um, I haven't sucked a dick in so long, you guys. Holy shit. But... But all these comics are like making a shitload of money. And I'm like, this is the money that I could be making. And this is the amount of if I do that, I could fucking do what I want to do with this theater immersive theater thing. But I it's every little thing is like I treat it as if people are everyone's burdening me because I'm so stressed out about it because I really don't want to look at my own perception of my own self-worth. So if like one person's texting me, hey, did you get a chance to look at my dad? I'm busy. Am I busy? No. What am I doing? If there was a fucking camera in my apartment, what you would see was me buying praying mantises online and then playing the piano for an hour and then pacing around drinking way too much coffee and then playing with Kevin and then looking at my to-do list going, still didn't do that Patreon, huh? No means no. Nope. But here I'm in my office, my little closet office, which is very cute and wonderful. And I got three pieces of printer paper with all these tiers because you do various tiers on Patreon. And I have these these pieces of printer paper are immersed, are buried with like 800 sticky notes of all these things that I'm promising for these tiers. I'm like, oh, I, I, I could uh, I could I could give you each individual uh, therapy sessions with everybody and, and I'll watch your dog and I'll, I'll take you out to dinner for like two dollars a month. Meanwhile, fucking Tim Dillon's like, hey, you can go fuck yourself for five dollars a month and for fifty dollars a month you can eat my asshole. And those are the only two levels. And everyone's like, yes, yeah, OK. So I'm like, girl, it's and it's also it's a me thing, but I also think it's a woman thing because I was looking at female creators, Patreons, and they're over promising because women. It's like we got to fucking prove our worth. No, 
we got to think like a man and just pretend we're already worthy. I'm not, no, no, no knocking you, men. Fucking good for you. Uh-oh, I just got a notification from the pattern. I always read it when it pops up. That's the only app that I allow pop up from now. Because I'm like, ooh, pattern, will you tell me how to do my Patreon? What's it saying? Of course, I turned the notification off. Or I swiped it, and now it's just freezing. <laughs> this is the other. This is the other thing. This is the other mental space I'm in because I'm stressing myself out so much from this fucking Patreon. Um, not when my technology doesn't work the second I need it to. I'm just like, oh, of course, everything's just falling apart. <laughs> but seriously, this app is freezing. Is Mercury in goddamn retrograde? Okay, this is the, so your the pattern app. If you don't know it, it's like basically tells you who you are as a person. You take take everything with a goddamn grain of salt, please, including this app. But you have it has like this very expansive profile on you when you enter your birth date, time, and place. And uh, you know every day it'll just give you a little blip of you know part of your profile, just as a reminder. And today the reminder is: at times, being so emotionally available and absorbing all the information around you can be overwhelming. Yeah, no shit. There's more plastic in the ocean than fish by 2050. It's stressing me out. It's confusing because you don't seem to have a strong sense of self or clear boundaries. I know. I'm aware. You're so flexible and adaptable that you can merge without even realizing it's happened. Yeah, well, thanks, Pattern. I fucking know. Oh, my God. I'm just, I'm just so, I'm just, <laughs> I've just really been beating myself. I've been beating the shit out of myself over this fucking Patreon. But really, at the end of the day, it's all about the fact that I've, at the deep, deep, deep level, part of me feels bad charging anybody for anything because I think I'm a worthless piece of shit. <laughs> Underneath all those sticky notes is a scared little girl who just wants you to adore her. I really was there was a point in my I took a pivot I there's multiple pivots in my life but one pivot I made up until I would say four years old your girl was very confident not only confident but I was like everyone pay attention to me I'm the best like I I was my comedy partner Corinne like how confident she's in herself I was that up until four I don't know what the fuck happened at four maybe my mom looked at me weird and I'm so goddamn sensitive that I was like oh I'm a piece of shit okay I'm gonna go cry now but there's home movies of me up until age four being like, guys, I'm going to do a dance now. Come in the house and watch me. Like I would do good ship lollipop and I would dress myself up. And I was just like, I'm the shit. I don't know what y'all are doing, but you want to come look at this magic? Like that's how I was. And I remember, well, I don't really remember. I do remember. I do have memories. For, I have memories from when I was fucking one and two. I don't know if that's normal or not. But am I normal? Probably not. But I was the cutest kid I've ever se- I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think about this Patreon. <laughs> I'm trying, you know, in the scene in Liar Liar. If you haven't seen that movie, fuck you. Number one, number two, watch it. Liar Liar, where Jim Carrey is in the bathroom and he's kicking the shit out of himself, and he's and he's beating himself up. He's punching himself in the face. His face is covered in red pen and blue pen, and he takes his head and he lays it down on a toilet puts the seat up and starts smashing his head with the toilet seat and a lawyer comes in because he's at his work which is a law firm a lawyer comes in the bathroom and he's like bleeding out of his nose and like whatever and the guy's like what are you doing man and Jim Carrey's like 
I'm kicking my ass. Do you mind? It's the be- It's that's me. <laughs> that's me. With this goddamn Patreon. Wait, insert pick of Jim Carrey. I'm writing this down. Uh, I'm I'm removing the fourth wall, guys. You, I'm I'm <laughs> peeling open the curtain. You get to see behind the scenes of my inner monologue of me writing notes to myself so I don't forget Jim Carrey kicking his own ass. I want to put that on the montage. But I was thinking, you know, at the end of the day, I got to figure this out, right? Because it's coming out April 2nd, which is this Friday. And I'm like, okay, what dollar amount would make this stress worth it? I'm like, no, Christina, that's not how you're supposed to think about it. Because everyone's in my ear like, Johnny Tsunami's making $800 million a month on his Patreon. And it just, it, it makes me mad that I haven't come up with mine yet. And it makes me feel like a fucking loser. Can't do anything right. Which is not true. I just learned that along the way and I got to shed that idea. But how I'm thinking about it is, what would I feel good about doing? What would fulfill me, you know? I have I had so much shit on these sticky notes and I'm like, Christina, just fucking relax. But here's I will tell you, I've not yet figured it out fully, but these three things I have figured out. They're part there's gonna be three levels, okay? I was gonna do two and then I was like, no, I wanna do three. Things come good things come in three or whatever. That will, rule is that I just made up that's true, because I believe it. But here's what you can expect. You're going to get additional podcast episodes of the voices in our heads. At One level is going to get one, and the other level is going to get two a month. Two extra ones. I can't do every week. Because some of these motherfuckers are doing one a week, and I'm like, you're, so you're doing two podcasts? I already got two podcasts. I'm going to fucking die. <laughs> and then I go, Christina, you make your own goddamn rules. So here's what you can expect. These additional uh, episodes of the voices in our heads, I want to do, I'll do deep dives into uh, like various books, but mostly I want to interview I want to interview people. I want to interview my older brother, um, who's my my you know my only sibling. I technically have eighty seven thousand half siblings, but you know that doesn't count. Technically, he's my half sibling, but you know we were raised by the same people. That's what counts. God, um, I want to interview my brother, uh, but I want to I want to I, I visited him over the weekend, which I'll talk more about later. But he was telling me things about myself, about me as a kid, that I didn't really realize. And I was like, wait, I did that? Really? So I want to do an interview with my brother that I'm going to conduct. Uh, I'm going down to Pennsylvania for my nephew's birthday party. I'm going to bring my podcast equipment the night before. And I want to sit down with my brother. He doesn't want to get personal about uh, his stuff because he's like, I don't want the world knowing my my things. And I'm like, you know, that's wise. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> um, but... But yeah, I want to interview him about me because him and I have, he's the only, he's my fellow soldier in this war that was growing up. <laughs> we were battle buddies, you know? And he's the only other person on the planet who knows exactly what it's like to be raised by the people that I was raised by. So I don't, I don't want to do an episode where I talk shit on my parents because I don't want to do that. But um, there's so many things like, and things that I'm realizing through therapy that I, I haven't told him yet, but him and I are really, really close. We got so close when I got older. He's eight years older than me. So he was he was so much older than me that I didn't, I kind of felt like an only child sometimes. Um, but I, I remember like I was never, I could never get mad at my mom and dad. Whenever I got mad at my mom, my dad was like, just get mad at me. And I was like, okay. And she, you can imagine the repercussions on the adult version of that kid, huh? <laughs> okay. Um, but, so I was all I was never mean or mad to my parents. I wasn't a mean kid. I was a really sweet, charming, wonderful person as a child and still am. But when my brother would babysit me, 
I would fucking scream at him. I like let all my, and I didn't realize this at the time, but I look back and I go, oh, that's what I was doing. He was my goddamn punching bag. Granted, I was like six, five, six years old when this was like the, the time that I'm talking about. So, you know, I was just a little kid. I wasn't like, you're a worthless piece of shit, just like your father. Like I wasn't saying anything cutting, you know, um, nor would I ever want to, even if I had that vernacular. But there's so many things as a kid that I want to ask him about, about me personally. So that that you can expect interviews with people like my brother, people who are really close to me. I want to interview my friends. I have the best fucking circle of friends that you could ever imagine. And they're all unique, individual, um, driven, passionate balls of magic. And I want to interview them and I want you to get to know them better. So that's when I say additional episodes of the voices in our heads, I'm going to do some additional solo episodes. But I also want to do interviews. So that's something you can expect. I'm also going to basically lay out all my secrets in terms of what the questions I get asked the most. What brand, brand of rollerblades do you have? Where do I get those butterflies? Um, I know where the best smelling candles in the entire fucking world can be purchased. Like all these things um, that are things you could buy that I've already tried to reach out to the companies. Because when you have a big Instagram following, part of a business, part of my business as a stand-up comedian you can do ads. Like when you do a podcast, you'll have ads. I think there's going to be an ad in this episode. I'm going to I'm gonna give it dead air. And then if an ad is not read, then you'll know I didn't sell one. But, um, you know, when I look at my Instagram, I don't want to give a shout out. It's just weird. It's this weird balance, right? Because companies will pay you a shitload of money to promote their product or do a sponsored post when you have, you know, over 100,000 followers. And of course, for me, and I think a lot of people feel this way, Maybe not, but I only want to promote things that I really, really love. So, and if you're going to give me money for it, well, isn't that the best of both goddamn worlds, huh? But um, I realize that I'm just, if it's a Patreon, it's behind a paywall. You're paying for it. Like the lowest level, this is going to be included in the lowest level, which is going to be $8,000 a month. You can afford that, right? But I'm just going to tell you where I get everything, where I buy things, where everything is from, where my art is from. I'll give you all my secrets. Um, and then if there's anything that, I've ever talked about or posted um, that I that's not on there. Ask me about it. I'll tell you. I'll, I'm gonna, and I'm going to do a comprehensive book list of all the books that have changed my life. All this, all my shit is going to go in there. And then the other thing I'm going to do is a monthly for one of the levels. I'm going to do once a month a live Zoom show um, where I'm going to do one day. I'm going to do a tour of my apartment. You can see my loft. And then the other one month, I'm going to do a piano recital. <laughs> I'm going to like set it up. I'm going to wear a dress <laughs> and I'm going to light candles. So I'm going to do like a show live from my apartment once a month for one of the levels. And the highest level, um, which is a pretty petty, I think, um, but it, it, it's going to be emotionally ta taxing. Not taxing is not the right word. But, um, you know, one of the things I've learned throughout my lifetime is that sharing your pain is very helpful. It helps other people. And how cool that something so simple, really. It might not seem simple to you if you're holding stuff in, but once you let it out and talk about it, it's wild how much lighter you feel. And I think that we can all help each other. We really can. Like these emails that I've been reading of your magical stories, P.S. keep sending those to me, are so beautiful. I'm blown away by them. And I'm getting all these responses from people like, you know, how much they appreciate other people sharing their pain. I appreciate it too. And I, I'm constantly getting messages about like, thank you for talking about your life and your feelings and your shit with your mom and mental illness and all this stuff. And it helps me too. So it's like, okay, let's all help each other. That's the top tier. We're basically going to be doing, I, 
I think just once a month, but maybe twice, um, depending on how many people sign up. There's a, only 100 people can sign up for this level. I have to cap it. Um, but we're basically going to be doing an adult child meeting. <laughs> I've been going to these, or I used to go to these adult children of alcoholic and dysfunctional family meetings, and they're so helpful. And it's a, a, people go around and share. I want to do it on Zoom. You can participate if you want. You can have your video on, or you can just have it off. You can make up a fake name. You don't You don't have to participate. You can just listen, or you can participate, and you could talk, and you'd get a couple minutes of sh- just time. You get the floor. You get the microphone. I experimented with this. My friend Donna Guerreros has workshops where she has her friends come in and kind of lead a workshop. I led a workshop called Mommy Issues because I wanted to test it out just to see how I felt, just to make sure it wasn't too much on me mentally. And um, it was a 90 minutes. Well, I wanted it to be an hour and then it ended up being almost two because it was really fucking good. It was almost two hours of, I think we capped it at 25 people. Uh, and we all went around. I read some quotes from books about the subject that I that I found extremely helpful. And we all went around one at a time. Every person got, I think, two minutes of just Say whatever's on your mind. Just say it. You can say anything. You can say whatever you, what's bugging you, what haunts you, what are you afraid of, what are you, who are you mad at and why? Like, just let it out. You gotta let it out. It's so beneficial for the world and for, most importantly, you, if you let it out. So the highest tier, which is gonna be limited, is going to be basically monthly meetings, possibly twice a month, um, of... This of just sharing, just the island, we're the island of misfit toys, guys. We're all fucked up. But we can help each other and we can heal each other by just simply talking about what's bugging us. So I'm really excited. I finally figured out what I want to do with this fucking Patreon. And I feel really good about it. So join it, I guess. Patreon.com slash Christina Hutchinson. It's not going to be up until Friday. Guys. You know, I've been dealing... This is stressful. Let's... let's. You know what we need? Do you know what we need, boys and girls and they's and thems? We need some goddamn motherfucking fuckboy theater. We need some fuckboy theater. Oh, this is a fun conversation a girl sent me screenshots of. This was... This took place in Instagram DMs. The desert of dick pics. How about you don't show me a picture of your penis? You show me a picture of your latest therapy invoice. That'll make me wet. Oh, you don't have one? You should get one. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> Let me get in the zone. Uh, okay. What you doing, ma? I want to be in between them titties. Sad emoji. I don't know why it's that emoji. And then she doesn't respond. And then the next day he says, Backshot? Question mark? And then she doesn't respond to that for some reason. So a couple hours later he says, I just want I just want a bust of fat one all over your face, baby. Crying emoji, crying emoji. And just watch it drip onto your titties. Tug out emoji, tug out emoji. You swallow? Question mark, question mark. And then, oh God, she doesn't respond to that for whatever reason. She's leaving the poet hanging, and then a couple hours later at 6.43 a.m., he says, Yes? And then 
he replies to a video she posted of herself dancing. And 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 the guy says, fuck all that thickness. Those titties are just bouncing. Tug out emoji, tug out emoji. Jeez, ride me. Damn, gonna keep ignoring me? Sad emoji. Why? It's, I mean, do you fucking read what you write? Anyway. Not if, and she responds finally, not if you're just trying to be friends like it's always been. We always been friends. Like, despite how much I like you and got a thing for you, and especially make me weak with your thighs, crying emoji, crying emoji, we friends. Okay, let's not keep talking about my body like that. But yes, we are deaf friends. And scene. Thank you. I did get a BFA in acting, and, um, you know, it was expensive. It was really expensive. But I went to the New York City College for the internships. But I also really got great training at Merriman Manhattan uh, College. Can't recommend it enough. So what did I do this weekend, you ask? Okay, I'll tell you. I, I, drove, to, I drove to Pennsylvania. Drove to Pennsylvania. And this is another thing I'm anxious about. I lo- Kevin is the best travel partner I could ever ask for. He is not a trained, you know, service dog. He's an emotional support dog. He ain't trained, but he's an emotional support dog. And goddamn, he does his job with that. But whenever I go in the car with him, he has to, whenever I drive, he has to be laying on the top of my shoulders in between the back of the seat and my neck. Always. And he lays it because he's so long. So it's like a boa. And he lays his, he rests his head on my shoulder. And it's the fucking cutest thing. Every time he does it, I'm like, that's so cute. I want to punch a baby. Like, that's how cute I think it is. So we drove down to Pennsylvania and because I wanted to see my nephew and I was I've been talking to my brother a bunch lately on the phone and we I was like I want to see you guys I want to see you and Brantley and so we scheduled this this past weekend to go down and it was great and the last day oh my god um my brother was like hey can you teach Brantley how to tie his shoes I've taught a bunch of kids how to tie their shoes in my day not to brag but like I'm really good at it I haven't done it in a while but I remember how to, I remember vaguely learning how to tie my shoes. And my nephew's six. He's the sweetest little boy. We are very similar in a lot of ways in that I was so hard on myself as a kid. And he is so hard. He's, he's very hard on himself, but he's very sensitive. He, if you're upset, and I know a lot of kids are, they'll absorb the emotions of their parents a lot of times. Like if your parents, if, you, if your parents were fighting or even if they weren't fighting in front of you, lucky, what's that like? Uh, that you could tell that they're mad. Like kids just absorb that. They're like, em- they're walking empaths. And so he's just very sensitive and he, but he's very determined and he's just, just a ball of pure joy. And so my brother went to the gym the last day I was there and I was like, oh, I didn't teach Brantley how to tie shoes yet. And so we sat down and I was like, all right, Brantley, we're going to learn how to tie your shoes. And I, I, you know, I was doing one thing at a time. Like first we take the shoelaces out like this. And as I was teaching him, I realized I don't know how to explain this shit. So I'm like, okay, and then you cross the shoe, and then you, well, you just fucking do it, basically. And he's like, well, what? I'm like, all right, well, I guess I could try to explain it better, huh? (laughs) I wasn't losing my patience with him, but I saw him getting frustrated at himself, which a kid does, you know, when they're learning something that's, you have to be very dexterous with your hands, your fingers specifically, to tie your shoes. And you don't really realize that until you go to teach a kid how to do it, and you're like, fuck, this is hard, buddy. I'm sorry. (laughs) But... He kept getting so mad at himself and he started crying because he wasn't getting it. And I and at first 
I was like, buddy, come on. You got to not just it's fine. But then I was like, Christina, that's not what's going to help him right now. And then I had this moment where I was like, oh, shit. Do you talk to your inner six-year-old like this? I feel like you do. And that's why you're talking to your nephew like this. And you got to look in the mirror, girl, and be nicer to yourself and to him. And I did that. I went to the bathroom, looked in the mirror, and I was like, be nicer. And then I did. And so I was like, okay, I need a new approach because he's getting really frustrated. And one thing that kids love, I'm really good with kids, I do voices. So I was making sound effects for the different parts of tying the shoe. So I go, okay, take both laces in your hand, right? And then you cross them and you switch hands. And now they're crossed. And then you go underneath. You take this one part of the shoelace and you go underneath all the other shoelaces. And you pull it and you go (laughs) And he loved that sound effect. He started laughing. So that distracted him from being pissed off at himself. And so I got him halfway there. And then I got to the bunny ears part. And I was like, well, you make you make the little, and I go, you make the little buddy ears like this. And he was laughing because I was using funny voices. And I was demonstrating on my shoe and his shoe. And then I couldn't figure out how to fucking tell him to tie the other. I don't, does anybody know how to, what to say when you teach a kid how to tie their goddamn shoes? I don't, I can't explain it. But I learned it. But I'm like, you know, you take the bunny ears and you make you make a fucking bow and you you pinch it and then you take the other piece of shoelace and you wrap it around all your fingers and then you give it as a gift to that those fingers that are pinching the bunny ears and then you you kind of let go with your one thing. Well, I don't know how to explain it, kid. Just fucking learn it. How do you tell what do you say to a kid to help them learn how to tie their shoes? I know you got suggestions. I know some of y'all got kids or some of you guys are teachers. But my brother was like, yeah, his school is very um, progressive in that. And progressive is, a, I don't know if that's the word. But they won't tie the shoes for the kids. They won't put the jackets on for the kids. They make the kids do everything themselves, which is good. I mean, as long as they're nice about it. And they're not like, get in the corner and get your jacket on, you pussy. Like, as long as they're not yelling at the kid. Like, oh, you know, it's good to be self-sufficient. But, you know, he's a kid. He needs help. So, But the parents have to teach the kids have to tie uh, how to tie the shoes. I mean, I look back. I didn't learn that shit in school. Some, some fucking girl who babysat me taught me. I think. Who taught me how to tie my shoes? Somebody. Definitely not my parents. <laughs> they would have just screamed at me and been like, "I gotta go." And that's where I learned that from. No, I'm just kidding. Mm, but I'm not. So yeah, I was trying to teach him how to tie his shoes, and I realized I don't know how to do it. I just I know how to do it. I just don't know how to explain it. <laughs> And then my brother comes home from the gym. I'm like, yeah, I don't know how to explain. I got him as far as tying the initial knot and then making the one bunny ear. And then I just don't know how to explain the other shit. (laughs) And my brother comes home like, yeah, I don't know how to say what to do. And he's like, yeah, me either. I'm like, all right, well, we'll pick up. We'll pick up when I see you in a couple weeks, buddy. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) And I just gave up on him. So if anybody knows how to uh, teach a kid how to tie his shoes, let me know. At the vo- uh, the voices in our heads podcast at gmail.com. Man, everyone's really freaking out about that boat, huh? The boat stuck in the canal. And all all the comics. I can tell I can tell what's happening in the news by I only I follow mostly comedians on Twitter. They're all just trying to make the stoop the same shitty corny joke about the goddamn boat. But some of them are funny. Not all of these are comedians. I was looking up what are the corniest. I looked up in Google. What are the corniest jokes about that fucking boat with all the cargo on it stuck in the Suez Canal? I know it's no longer stuck, but it was stuck. And everyone's like, that boat's stuck. And I was like, cool. 
And I know it fucked up the economy for a second or whatever, but like there's plastic in the ocean and there's racism everywhere and Asian people are getting pushed into the streets and fucking, can we just focus on that stuff? But I guess you can't, if you only focus on that, you'll just kill yourself because it's real dark. You know what I mean? Seriously, congrats on still being here. You can get real lost in this dark, the darkness of this world. <laughs> um, but yeah, some people. <laughs> okay, at now I gotta fucking pronounce their Twitter handles. This guy's name's Matt. He's verified, so he must be an important person. At Lubchansky is this handle, and he tweeted, "Having a nice time imagining I'm the big boat. The world cries out for me to stop destroying global commerce. My response: toot toot." I thought that's funny. <laughs> uh, wait, what? Are, there's the better ones. I need to get this dot. Wait, what? Hey, is the Suez Canal really slow for anyone else right now? Oh, that's funny. At Ken Jennings said that. That's funny. At Le Yon tweets, ha ha, what if I was stuck in the Suez Canal? What would you do? No, LOL. I'm so big and wide. I'm blocking a vital seaborne trade passageway. Come help me, baby. That's not funny. Why did I read that one? Oh, God. This guy tweeted. <laughs> yeah, sex is good. I hate this fucking format for Twitter for tweets. Because once a format of a joke is like popularized and it just you see it over and over again, you're like, yeah, it lost its luster. We, that's a wrap on that that format. But this guy tweeted, yeah, sex is good. But have you ever got your boat stuck in the Suez Canal and block 10 percent of the world's trade? It's so funny. You're so funny that I didn't laugh. I keep talking to myself the way that I was talking to Brantley to learn how to tie his shoes. And it's fine when I do that, like on a podcast, or I'm like, you know, but I'm doing it in the real world and I got to stop because people are looking at me real weird. Um, Why isn't there a live stream of the ship stuck in the Suez Canal? I feel that would be very relaxing to watch and make me feel a lot better about my own problems. Okay, that's not funny. I want you to park that big container ship right in this little canal. Oh, that's funny. Because that's a play on WAP. Oh my God, people are freaking out about that. Grammy performance? Megan the Stallion and fucking Cardi B? Guys, Relax. Hot take, right? <laughs> Hot take. Okay, I'm looking. I'm scrolling through, and all of these tweets about the Suez Canal that I was planning on reading you—they're just images, and I, I'm not going to describe them. So just look up shitty tweets about the Suez Canal if you want to laugh at corny stuff. Did you guys know? Okay, I might have talked about this before, but uh, first of all, America—if you're listening to this and you're not in, you're you do not you don't live in America—I imagine you're looking at us like, yeah, you guys really love shooting up people, huh? And the answer is yes, we do, apparently. It's a big fucking country, y'all. But boy, do we love our guns. We love our guns. And we love not paying attention to any of our mental health problems. And isn't that a recipe for a lot of mass shootings pretty much every other goddamn day? Jesus Christ, go to fucking therapy. Men. And I, oh, whenever there's a mass shooting, it's ter- It's so It's so terrible. I, but it's it's and it's to this point where you're like, oh God, another one, oh, another one, and another one. Oh, bet there's gonna be another one tomorrow. Oh, there is. Oh, great, great, cool. You know, and every time I'm like, it's a it's a guy. Most times I'm like, it's a white guy, because a lot of times it's a white guy. 
but not every time. And then I realized, well, okay, why am I looking at the race of the person? But re- there's so many white guys that do it that you're like, hey, maybe the problem's white guys. And then and then you look at other bad things that are being done, like all the senators that like want to suppress voting rights, and they're all old white guys. And it's like, hmm, I'm feeling the problems, old white guys. It's white people for sure. There's a comic that makes a joke about white women uh, try to exclude themselves from. Oh, I'm gonna paraphrase it. It's gonna suck. White women try to like exclude themselves from how bad white guys are, and the the comic was like, "Yeah, white, you suck too, white women." I fr- he says it better than that, but it's really funny, and he's right. Um, but every time there's a shooting, I'm like, "It's a white guy," and then when it's not, I'm like, "Oh." But then it, I remembered, I remembered um, the first school shooting in the United States was a fucking woman. It was a 16 year old chick. Isn't that crazy? And the, there's an article, the, the, the Mirror UK uh, wrote an article, and the headline is, I don't like Mondays, school shooter Brenda Ann Spencer to make bid for freedom. Brenda Ann Spencer, that was her name. And I was like, anything you can do, girls can do also. Girl did it first. It's not a good thing, but it's a, it happened. It's bad. Uh, barricaded in her ramshackle home waiting for the police, Brenda Ann Spencer calmly told the man on the end of the phone why she'd carried out America's first school shooting. Quote, I don't like Mondays. That's what she said. Like, that's what, that's, that is literally what came out of her mouth as to why she shot people at a school. I don't like Mondays. I mean... She didn't got a she didn't have a manifesto in her apartment. She didn't have a blog. She didn't you didn't go into her house and you saw all these dr- she ju- she didn't like Mondays. I mean, okay, she's mentally ill, right? Like if you're going to shoot people, something's up. But her reasoning was I don't like Mondays. That was her reasoning. First school shooter in America was a woman. She was 16 years old. Didn't like Mondays. That's why she did it. The teenager's reply inspired the unforgettable piano ballad that brought the Boom Boomtown Rats global fame. Oh, I didn't know that. With its lyric, the silicon chip inside her head gets switched to overload. Oh, I don't know that song. But while the band's 1970s hit is now filed under nostalgia, events surrounding it are even more relevant than ever. Today, 40 years from the gunning down principal Burton Rag, 53, caretaker Mike Suker, 56, and wounding nine others, Spencer is on the cusp of freedom. Oh, shit, this bitch getting out. Uh-oh. I feel like she still doesn't like Mondays if you put her in jail. She probably hates every day, probably. Oh, God. I hope she can't get a gun. She might be. Oh, Jesus. In August, she became the eligible to go after to go before a parole board. A day she has been prep, uh, preparing for inside her cell in the California Institution for Women in Corona. But well, see, and I, now I'm always thinking of like when a male, when a guy like is like head of a cult and convinces all these chicks to like kill, kill other people. And then he goes to jail. All these women are like, will you be my husband? But when a girl's the first ever school shooter and she's a woman and she's in jail, everyone's like, you get rotten hell. I ain't touching you with a fucking cactus, which I'm not saying people should want to fuck this woman, but just pointing it out. But while she may feel she has never served her punishment, the victims and their families still dread her release. Yeah. She killed people. And that first shooting her ca- uh, has cast a dark shadow over America. By her own admission, Spencer, Spencer feels her actions were the blueprint for the massacres at Columbine, Sandy Hook, Parkland's Stoneman, Douglas High. Well, 
bitch, I just think you're full of yourself. But, you know, you do have mental illness. Well, maybe it went away. I feel like prison probably is not how mental illness is fixed. If I had to guess, if I was a betting man. Back in January 29th, 1979, at 8.30 a.m., Brenda Ann Spencer, then a geeky-looking ginger-haired 16-year-old, all right, maybe don't describe her like that. She's going to get pissed when she comes out of jail, took out the 22 rifle her father had bought her as a Christmas present, ooh, red flag, and pointed it through her bedroom window. Outside, pupils were lining up outside Grover Cleveland Elementary School across from her home in San Diego. She trained her sights on the playground and squeezed the trigger, firing off 36 bullets. This bitch really didn't like Mondays and also other people being alive. Jesus, there was a six-hour standoff um, uh, during... Oh, this is wild. There then followed a six-hour standoff during which a reporter from San Diego uh, Evening Tribune, Gus Stevens, began calling houses in the neighborhood trying to get information. One was that of the Spencer residence, and the teenager picked up the phone. So after Brenda shot these fucking kids and killed these the principal and that other guy... Wait, I just got to say his name because that's I'm saying her name and I'm not saying the people who passed away. And that's very disrespectful. Wait, where is it? Um, Mike Sucher. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I'm sorry if I'm not. Um, so after she killed this reporter is calling all the houses in the area, calls her house. Brenda picks up in the midst of a standoff. When he asked her the reason for the school massacre, she replied, I don't like Mondays. This livens up the day. Yo, psycho, I don't think you should come out of jail. After surrendering to the police on the promise of a Burger King meal, as she walked out in shackles, she told them, quote, I was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun seeing children shot. Oh, God. Okay, I don't want to read that. Anymore. Just, she's a psycho. But th- th- my point is, the first school shooter was a woman. I'm not proud of it. God. I just really don't think she should get released, but hey, I'm not an expert on law or mental stuff. Let's 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 switch gears, okay? We're gonna switch gears. We're gonna switch gears. I want to read you some uh, listener emails of stories about how death isn't real and time is fake. And please keep emailing them to me, the Voices in Our Heads podcast at gmail.com. Please, I really like reading them. They're really awesome and. Uh, from the feedback I've heard from you guys, you like hearing about them. So it's a win, fucking win. Like my Patreon. <laughs> okay. Here's an email. My great grandmother and I, I called her special grandmother, were always very close until she passed away when I was in about fourth grade or so. Tea parties in her library. She taught me to swim and we used to play dominoes. She was honestly the kindest person I knew. I always correlated cardinals with her. She lived on Cardinal Street and she just loved birds. With that being said, aside from the folklore behind them, I always thought of her when I saw them. I had just recently got engaged and just bought my first house, so the stress uh, and just aggravation of things seeming hectic was a bit overwhelming. Yeah, I understand, lad. I'm trying to do Patreon. Shut up, Christina. Then I got a visit from her. I was heading out uh, of the house to work through my garage, and my fiancé had left the garage door open for me. I heard some tweets Not the ones on Twitter, but actual tweets from birds. Remember, that's where that word originated. I heard some tweets really close by and looked around wondering if a bird had got stuck in there. Then I saw her. A cute, stout lady cardinal was sitting on my squat bar, just staring at me. Not freaking out, not flying away the closer I got. I kept trying to shoo her out because I had to close the garage. 
and she didn't go anywhere for a good 30 seconds. It didn't dawn on me until a few minutes later that it was my great-grandmother checking in on me and letting me know she was there with me. Curious as to what I was doing, but proud. I currently now have two bird feeders in my backyard and a ton of cardinal friends who stop by every day. I miss her so much. My favorite memory is when we played dominoes and we all gave each other Italian names and played uh, and played sounding like Italian men. And whenever I meditate, I imagine her as a cardinal perched on my knee. She's one special lady. And this girl sent me a video of the cardinal on the bar of her squat, squat rack. And, oh, my God. The cardinal, like, you know how sometimes animals, like, I feel this way with Kevin. Sometimes you just... You, you're looking at their soul when you look in their eyes, like they have human eyes, kind of. Like there's like a person in there. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? The She sent a video of this cardinal on the bar of her squat rack, and it looked, and she was getting closer and closer. It was just very stoically standing there. I'm like, that's fucking cool. Oh, my God, that's so cool. Hi, Christina. Please don't say my name. Okay. My 20s were really hard for me. I went through a rough divorce, got an autoimmune disease. I felt like things were falling apart. I got interested in the self-discovery journey and inevitably learned about the past life regressions just like you did. So fun. I found a local expert and went along with it. I have to mention that in the past few years, I decided to distance myself from everyone and decided that I wanted to move to another state on my own. I'm a 31-year-old female. Break connections with everyone I knew. I decided that I would save up for a house in a secluded area, spend my time on my own playing piano as it is the only thing that soothes my soul, girl, I hear you, and reading. I love spending time by myself. Very introverted. My past life regression session sowed me an interesting, quote, life that changed my plans forever. I'm going to take a sip of this water, y'all. It's about to get magical. Okay, so the regression. Scene one. As I was guided into deeper levels of hypnosis, I found myself standing on a balcony of a yellow house. I was wearing a yellow dress. In my life now, I really dislike yellow. That's interesting. I was looking at a gorgeous sunset. I felt so wonderful, but there was a feeling of loneliness somewhere deep inside my heart. I knew that I was in some time period of between 17 and 1800s, and I was either in Spain or Italy because of the terrain and pointy tree characteristics of those countries. See pick for reference. Oh, yeah, she sent me a pic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely, girl, that's Italy. That's off of a, that's a picture of a pasta jar, pasta sauce jar. I also knew that I was a mid-aged, 20s, 30s woman, married but living on my own, by myself in this house outside of town, away from society. And then she put an exclamation point in parentheses. I was not rich, just middle class, and I had three to four servants who I could see working in the gardens from my balcony. Scene two. Dude, these fucking past life things are so wild because like when you're when the when the person hypnotizes you and they take you into this deep and you open these doors. I don't know if that's how this person did it. Sometimes they have you open a door and then you're just in this life. You're just fucking in it like you're just it's like you're watching a movie, but it's. There's no for me. There was no screen. There was I was just in it. It was like a simulation. It was like I was having wearing my VR headset. That's how it felt. Anyway, scene two. Back to her email. The next scene, I was guided to show me walking through the gardens by myself, singing songs. I love to sing. Again, walking and singing made me feel so wonderful. But that feeling of loneliness did not escape me completely. Scene three. As I was guided to the last day of that life. Oh, then this is and it, I know this might sound scary. You're guided to like up until your death. It's really not scary. It's a beautiful thing. And you can believe this shit is real and you can believe it's not whatever you want. But whew, I believe it's real. Scene three As I was guided to the last day of that life. I found myself laying on a bed alone 
with no one in the room. I knew I was in the same house and that I was around 60 years of age. I knew that I was dying and I knew that it was of natural causes. I had this sadness in my heart that penetrated me so deep and I know this feeling well as it is, it is something I experience every day of my life. I took my last breath and died peacefully. Although this regression is not very eventful or entertaining, it showed me the life I chose for myself. It showed me that I decided I wanted to have what I, what I, it, <laughs> I fit there. It showed me the life I decided I wanted to have now. It foreshadowed what would happen if I went along with my plan and continued to distance myself from people in society. It might not be much, but that feeling of loneliness that I'd experienced while lying on my deathbed made me reconsider my life choices. It is so hard for me to connect with people, and perhaps this is one of the reasons why I thought I wanted to move away. But this regression showed me that what would happen if I actually went through with it, it changed the way I approach life. I really appreciate and love that you talk about these things on your podcast. There are skeptics who do not believe in hypnosis, and I must say that I am not 100% sure that I that I lived the life that I was shown. But the fact that my subconscious mind show, uh, chose to show me these scenes means everything to me and makes me believe that we as human beings have these amazing supernatural abilities that can help us find our way in this increasingly complicated world. I hope that more people become open-minded in the future and take advantage of these abilities. That's what it is, guys. She nailed it. I'm glad she said it that way. Because it, it really is when you get into this deep hypnosis. Hypnosis, you're not asleep. You remember what happens. but you're it, And it's a high form of concentration. It's kind of the opposite of what I assumed that it was. No one's taking advantage of you. You are in control. That's a very important thing to remember. But she worded it perfectly in that it is your subconscious mind showing you things. And, and the one way I can describe the past life regressions that I've done is it feels like the images felt similar to a dream. Like the when I when I would um, I, I didn't bring weed to my brother's house because I'm a hero. And uh, I was like, eh, I just won't smoke for a couple of days. I had the wildest fucking dreams. And it reminded me, oh, yeah, this is kind of like when I was in hypnosis, recalling my the, these past lives that I was being shown to Anastasia. It felt like I was dreaming but awake. Not a lucid dream, but like a, I guess a lucid dream. That's pretty cool. Um, okay, and then this is the last email I'm going to read, and then you can go about your day and be inspired and shit. Hello, Christina. I'm a little bit behind on the episode, so I'm not sure if you're still taking stories. I am, but the reason I'm behind also plays into the story. I was not raised in a religious home, but I'd say we were somewhat spiritual. As a family, we have received a lot of loss, and continuing on as an adult, I've experienced even more loss. I'm so sorry. Because we never got the religious default conversation about everything leaving earth to go to heaven, I became obsessed with death as a child. After attending so many funerals, I had constant questions about what happens after we die. My mom's answer was always different, and I think that is okay, especially now that I'm an adult and my answer is still ever-changing. But I feel fortunate that my parents would never shut down the idea of spiritual encounters or intuition. One of the most profound losses I've ever experienced was the loss of one of my best friends three months before high school graduation. Whenever I meet another person who lost a friend in high school, I recognize the same grief in their eyes. I believe it is because as a teenager, you have the capacity to deeply love your friends and you get to see them and hug them every day, but you haven't yet learned how truly painful life can be and how to deal with it. Oh, that's very beautifully said. As a senior in high school, We thought there was so much ahead of us and we could be anything and anyone if we just tried hard enough. My friend died in a very abrupt 
and tragic way, and it rocked the entire town. In the days and months after his death, we all searched for signs and signals from him. There was a lot of mediums, or, or there was a local medium, excuse me, there was a local medium that sought out one of my friends and told her that he was very confused at first, but he is okay now and wants you to know he was okay. There were countless other signs, but my personal and private communication from him came in my dreams. For many years, I would see him in my dreams, but he could never talk in any of them. I tried to think of it as him showing me he was okay, even though I could no longer hear his voice. But a few weeks ago, I got COVID. I was alone and scared and very out of it because between fatigue, dizziness, cough, medicine, and going in and out of sleep all day, I tried to talk to myself when I would feel my depression or anxiety creeping in. And then during one of my long stretches of sleep, he arrived in my dream. But this was, uh, but this time he wasn't a disheveled teenager. He was a grown man with a different hairstyle and a distinguished maturity. I think most men only get after. Uh, I think that most men only get after they become a father. In my dream, there was a group of us at a restaurant, and he just walked in, sat down, and started talking. For the first time in 21 years, he was talking to me in my dream. I don't remember much else, but I was so calm and happy when I woke up. It was something I needed so greatly to get me through the isolation and, and coming up in a few weeks, the anniversary of his death. Oh. Thank you for talking about this and telling people stories. I'm just catching up now as I'm returning to work and my spreadsheets. Oh, you working on your spreadsheets? Raise your hand if you're working on your spreadsheets. You color coding them? These stories make me feel so connected to people on earth and connected to whatever anyone might consider as heaven. Even if you told me tomorrow that none of this was real and it was just our mind filling in the blanks, that's okay because it helps us all connect to someone we love. It helps us laugh. It helps us let go of anger and it helps us treasure the physical bodies that we can still squeeze and cherish and nothing bad can ever come from that. Thank you for being you, Christina. Damn it. I might cut out. That was real nice. Oh, man, now I want to cry. Guys, we're just here to love each other, okay? Don't be dicks to each other. And also, fucking try to find it in your heart to forgive people, including yourself. Okay, I, want, uh, this is what I actually want to end on an excerpt from Louise Hay's book. The power is within you. Yes, you, bitch. That's not the full title. I added that. The the t- Yeah, the power is within you. This is a... Uh, this is a an excerpt from the chapter Change and Transition. And it's it's really I'm reading this for myself, but <laughs> maybe it'll help you too. With this goddamn Patreon stress. Stress is another word for fear. You don't say, Louise. We talk a lot about stress these days. Everyone seems to be stressed out about something. Stress seems to be a buzzword and we use it to the point where I think it's a cop out. Well, well that makes me sad and mad cuz it's true. I'm so stressed, or this is so stressful, or all the stress, stress, stress. Stress, to me, is a fearful reaction to life's constant changes. Ouch, Louise, why don't you just hit me directly? It is an excuse we use for not taking responsibility for our feelings. Oof! We can, if we can equate the word stress with the word fear, then we can begin to eliminate the need for fear in our lives. The next time you think about how stressed you are, ask yourself, what is scaring you? Ask, how am I overloading or burdening myself? Why am I giving my power away? Because I feel like I'm a worthless piece of shit and I don't want to charge people monthly for a service. Find out what you are doing to yourself that is creating this fear within you that keeps you from achieving your inner harmony and peace. Stress is not inner harmony. You can say that eight times. 
Inner harmony is being at peace with yourself. It's not possible to have stress and inner harmony at the same time. When you're at peace, you do things one at a time. Oh, yeah, that's what my therapist says when you're really stressed out. You're in the parasympathetic nervous system because you're in fight or flight all the time because you didn't know what mom you were going to get in the morning. And so you're just on the lookout for danger. Anyway, I digress. You don't let things get to you when you're at peace. When you feel stressed, do something to release the fear so you can move through life feeling safe. Don't use the word stress as a cop out. Don't give a little word like stress a lot of power. Nothing has any power over you. I repeat, nothing has any power over you. It's all a mirage. Over. Oh, and then here's a... <clears throat> oh, I'm just coughing into the mic, Christina. And then this other part I'm going to read. And then I'll send you all about your day or your night. Ride your horses, do your spreadsheet, live your life, get therapy, whatever. Life is a series of doors closing and opening. We walk from room to room having different experiences. Many of us would like to close some doors on negative patterns, old blocks, situations that are no longer nourishing or useful to ourselves. Yeah, like procrastinating? Yeah, like procrastinating. Good. Many of us are in the process of opening new doors and finding wonderful new experiences. I think uh, that we come to this planet many, many times and we love to learn different lessons. It's like coming to school. Earth is a school, y'all. Before we incarnate at any particular time on the planet, we decide the lesson we are going to learn so that we can evolve spiritually. Once we choose our lesson, we choose all the circumstances and all the situations that will enable us to learn the lesson, including our parents. Ooh, I got the willies. Sexuality, place of birth, and race. If you've gotten this far in your life, believe me, you've made all the right choices. Oh, isn't that fun? I'm going to repeat that goddamn sentiment again just because you deserve it. If you've gotten this far in your life, believe me, you've made all the right choices. Ooh, doesn't that feel like a warm bath on a cold winter's night? As you go through life, it is essential to remind yourself that you are safe. It is only change. It is only change. It's only my Patreon. Just get over it, Christina. Trust your higher self to lead you and guide you in ways that are best for your spiritual growth. As Joseph Campbell once said, follow your bliss. See yourself opening doors to joy, peace, healing, prosperity, and love. Doors to understanding, compassion, forgiveness, and freedom. Doors to self-worth, self-esteem, and self-love. You are eternal. You will go on forever from experience to experience. Even when you pass through the last doorway on this planet, it is not the end. It is the beginning of another new adventure. Oh, and then this last part. I, I was like, that's a really good note to end on, but I just really want to read this last part of this chapter. It's the last part of the chapter, so you got time. Ultimately, you cannot force anyone to change. Ooh, that hurts. You can offer them a positive mental atmosphere where they have the possibility to change if they wish. However, you cannot do it for or to other people. Christina, I know, I'm trying. Each person is here to work out his or her own lessons. And if you fix it for them... They will continue, uh, then they will eventually do it again because they haven't learned for themselves. They haven't worked out what they needed to. Love your sisters and brothers and theys and thems that are not gender specific. Love your fellow humans. Allow them to be who they are. Know that the truth is always within them and they can change at any moment as they want. Well, isn't that a good goddamn note to end on, huh? Hey, congrats on not killing yourself, guys. Fucking go out there. Don't use plastic bags. Don't be racist. 
just be kind to uh, other people. Just it's just, it's just in the smallest ways, you know. You don't gotta make it a burden. Just be nice. Be nice to yourself. Start there. I love you. I'll talk to you next week. Where do you go with your broken heart and soul? And what do you do with the left over you? And how do you know when to let go? Where does the good go? Where does the good go? Track.